So Corey, over the last six months, we've been focused on building a new business under the after, especially after acquiring Heather Satterley's accounting services. And most recently, we rebranded it to AppStream. People ask me, so what is process improvement or better yet, what is workflow automation? Mm -hmm. It's a loaded question. And I think a lot of people navigate towards technology and applications, which I think is a component of it. But it's really understanding what are your processes today? What do they look like in the future state in terms of how they can be most efficient and improved upon? And then navigating the steps and implementing maybe it's new technology or people or systems in order to get to that improved state, right? It's about just becoming more efficient. It's about becoming more lean, uh, using the better resources around you. So I come from the world of continuous improvement, uh, lean six sigma, you know, and 10 years ago, we were always trying to like process map everything, you know, untangle, untangling the spaghetti maps. But let's face it, in, the, in, in this world, our audience, your typical bookkeeper, accountant, fractional CFO, you know, they're sometimes just kind of looking at themselves, right? Maybe they got one or two helpers, uh, interns, contractors, but, you know, they don't really have the multitude of processes and systems that even probably make sense to undertake. However, there are still things that these people do that, I mean, you just brought up three good points. So when, when our audience is thinking about process automation, what are those three things that really compel you to think about products like Growth Labs AppStream or uh, DIY with Zapier, right? Yeah. What are those three things, Corey? I mean, I think that you put up a great point, which is arguably for those CPAs that have those limited resources around them, this is almost more important for them right? There's less resources around the table. I think those kind of three things that kind of hit on it, what you should automate or when you should think about automating or using process improvement or things like that would be if they're material, right? It's like, are you spending at least call it two hours a month, right? It's not worth improving a uh, process that takes you. So time or money, materiality around time or money. Good. The next is if it's repetitive, right? If you're doing a similar thing over and over and over again. And then lastly would probably be you know, if there's a defined algorithm for it. So that doesn't mean that it has to be the exact same 100% step the same time, but there has to be at least some definition around what that looks like when XYZ happens. Cool. So folks, audience, it is materiality, repetitiveness, and a defined algorithm. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the FAS Evolution. This show is focused on how finance is a service is transforming the accounting industry. This podcast is hosted by our friends here at Growth Lab, where we interview thought leaders in the industry to ultimately help you, the accountants, CPAs, fractional CFOs, bookkeepers, all of the above, to help you move from an accounting mindset to more of a finance as a service mindset. And today, we actually have a special guest, Corey Cronoyer. Corey's been with us for many years, and many of you already know Corey, and he's touched every part of the business. But most recently, uh, after we acquired Heather's businesses, we stood up the process improvement team. And uh, so Corey's going to talk to us a little bit about his new project. It's a pet project, and we've actually been hiring. We hired Gonzalo. We're actually in the process of hiring another individual. And of course, we have Katie. And so uh, Corey's heading up our AppStream product. And he's going to talk a little bit about 
AppStream and what it is, but more importantly, the mindset that goes into process automation. So, Corey, you want to touch on a little bit about why we're doing this, how we got ourselves into this. And of course, you know, Heather Satterley, she is like queen of all process improvement for the accounting industry. Her podcast, The Appy Hour, and of course, we'll be attending her Appy Hour camp this September. We're going to be talking more about AppStream and the importance of some of these automation tools, right? But we're not focusing on the automation tools, right? No, I don't want to focus on the tools. There's tons of tools out there. I want to take a step back. Like, what are we doing here? Why are we going through this? What is the, why did we start this? You know, part of it was with the support of Heather and, and that acquisition. But I think part of it was also, you know, for the past 10 years, we've, we've been in those same shoes ourselves of trying to figure out ways to improve processes, right? Uh, we've dabbled in apps like Zapier and others um, and have not always had the most success. And so we've tried to figure out ways that we can work with other accountants that are going through those same challenges that we used to go through and that we've been through and that we've Oh, we lived from. it. We lived it. And we're still challenged through and trying to find a way to support them in their own growth. So I look back eight years ago and you were there from the beginning at the time as an intern. But at that time, we had just acquired Grinnell Bookkeeping. Now, this goes back to the spring and summer of 2015. And holy shit, there were like fucking 60 file cabinets. I mean, and obviously there's no file cabinet. Actually, there's still a file cabinet in the office, but it's really just to hold our printer. But there were 60 file cabinets. And I remember staying up late nights, going through all those file cabinets, but everything was very paper-based. Yeah. That's just one, that's, I mean, that's just one example that was a very much a physical burden, never mind a process uh, uh, a constraint. The other big one was all around payroll, time cards, invoicing. Oh, oh, my, oh my word, it used to take us like two and a half people every week to process those time cards, payroll, invoice hourly to customers. And of course, you know, within easily within six to 12 months, we started moving over to more automation. And then two years later, we went to web-based systems. So when we talk about process improvement, Corey, we're not always talking about Zapier, Integramat, Bubble, right? We're also talking about our friends at Ignition, our friends at Carbon, mm -hmm. and there are many others. Well, we obviously happen to be uh, fans of those two because those two are actually two of our uh, most important tech stacks. Yeah, like let's take a look at one, like one specific example that you brought up with Ignition. What we used to go through before we had Ignition, right? We would use DocuSign, and it's probably one of the top apps out there, right? We'd manually put together a, a Word document, fill it out in DocuSign, send it to the customer, get it back, PDF it store it. Right? It was a shit show. It was, it was horrible, a pain in the ass. Right. And so, and we couldn't ever find anything. And, but at the end of the day, what are you trying to solve for? You're trying to get a client to sign an engagement agreement. It's very simple. And so cost effectively, cost effectively. And so a, this is not any automated tool, but using ignition to support us in that engagement agreement signing probably saved five hours per engagement agreement. Oh, easy. <laughs> Easily, Easy. Per, per engagement agreement. And then you take it one step further. It's not just about the engagement agreement. It's also about collections and payments and then reconciliation to your oh, general yeah. ledger. Yes. You know, um, I am a big fan and I, you know, I, but I'm a big fan because I understand our journey, our journey to move from uh, what was essentially Word docs that you uh, had customers physically sign, like mm -hmm. literally, that's how it was with Grinnell Bookkeeping. Yeah. 
from there to implementing, fully implementing Ignition from end to end, right? From sales all the way to accounting, which is what it really is and compliance and contract. That was a four year journey for us because I mean, one, we needed materiality. So we were still small. Maybe we were closing one deal a month back then, right? So you had materiality. Uh, now, we, it, there is materiality because it does take a lot of effort. We don't have the capability from a, from a personnel, from a people perspective. We still don't have capability to hand off a contracts and engagement agreements to individuals at the company. Uh-huh. So Ignition helps us deal with materiality and then repetitiveness. And then, of course, it is a discrete process from end to end, right? Uh-huh. Just the, the baton gets passed from sales and then on to uh, the accounting onboarding mm-hmm. team. Um, so big fans of that. We've lived it. We're not sponsored. We <laughs> we're not sponsored, although I, we are on the customer advisory council now, but we're still not sponsored. Yep. One like interesting point to all of this, though, um, in going through our own journey, looking back at it, I think it's hard sometimes for, this sounds silly and I hate when people say this, but I, I have to say it, like it's part of a mindset shift, right? Because... Oftentimes you talk to firm owners and it's, well, it's fine because that's the way it's always done been totally. done, and it works, right? And I get one perspective, why, you know, if I, why fix what's not broken, right? But even if it's not broken, there's still areas of improvement. Yeah, you can improve quality, you can save money. Reduce errors, you can, yeah, you can scale quicker, right? For these small firm owners, I brought that up particularly, these small firm owners that have five people around them, maybe 10 people around them. Each resource is so limited and each resource is, resource is so important to that business. And to boot, the firm owner tends to be like two people, maybe three people, yeah. right? Because that individual is not just working 40 hours on customer work and tax returns, but they're also working 40 hours on the business and then 40 hours on sales and marketing and, and engagement agreements, right? So if you can improve the process for these 10 people, call it, to do what would have taken 15 people or maybe not 15, 12 people, right? That's huge. Right. And so we have to start looking at these things through the lens of those three things were important that you brought up, but it is, it's not just about dollars. It's not just about savings. It's not just about time. There are other things in there, right? Lead time, throughput, cycle time, uh, customer satisfaction, right? If you can, if you can get it to a customer and we're picking on engagement agreements here because it's it's a low hanging fruit in a lot of our, uh, a lot of our friends' businesses, um, but if you can improve that, you're also going to improve the chances of that customer signing on quicker, right? When the iron's hot versus waiting until uh, I'll get to it on Saturday night when I'm in front of the tube and I'll get it out to them on Monday and then I'll mail it to them on Tuesday. You know what I mean? So uh, big fans of Ignition, but, but more importantly, we are big fans of process. So before Corey uh, starts diving into uh, some examples and sort of the big why and, you know, the mindset shift that our friends, our audience uh, needs to start thinking about, you know, I, I just want to kind of preface this by, you know, there are real like there are real macro headwinds happening today in the markets, uh, in our industry, in our business. Um, you know, for better or for worse, two years ago, we all thought, you know, the sky was falling. Uh, and then ultimately in our industry, what we realized is, holy shit, we have a tsunami of work coming at us. Some of us got paid well for it. Others just kind of gave value away for free. Um, but we're sort of hitting some, a little bit of a soft spot. Uh, one of my, one of our good friends yesterday reminded me of a a saying I, I say all the time. Uh, as a firm owner, 
our number one job is to de-risk our people. And what Corey's doing with AppStream really comes down to de-risking your people. It doesn't mean you're trying to diminish their value. Nor replace them. Nor replace them. Nope. But it's risk. Risk is risk is very inherently very different than all that other shit, mm -hmm. right? And so as we're thinking about this, I went back as Corey and I were preparing for this uh, session. I kind of went back to you know what was our big why? What was my big why back in March and February when we started talking to Heather? Um, and there were really three things, right? One was our entire our entire industry with this tsunami of business was suffering because this is a two-sided equation, right? You've got customer, and by the way, they're both both sides are people. Uh, you've got the customers, and there was tons of customers. Everybody's growing 25%, 50% a year, but we all were suffering from the people side because you still need, regardless of how much automation, how many tools, you still need people. This is a human capital business. And so with that, the great resignation, whatever we want to call it, the great shuffle, whatever it may be, uh, this is real. And we, we started as firm owners, and I've had many conversations with other firm owners, uh, as firm owners, because we wanted to, we didn't want to say no to the new business. So we ended up doubling down on people that were less capable, but were costing twice as much. That is a telltale sign of like, you know, the music got to stop. You just got to stop saying no to new customers or you got to, you know, change up your pricing. But that was a telltale sign. And we all suffered from that. Now, a lot of that is starting to work itself out. Uh, my last podcast back in June, I was on vacation for a month. I talked exactly about that. It was starting to weed itself out. So the great resignation, call it whatever you want. That is like the, the number one why we got into this. Number two, business continuity. So, Corey, eight years ago, 60 file cabinets, we had, I don't know, 15 people, 80% uh, of them were really not working on like customer work. They were doing like admin stuff. And it was just like, holy shit, all of that tribal knowledge just was in someone's head. Mm -hmm. I remember the first person we let go and, you know, we're not, I don't pride myself in like laying people off, but we had to do this because I'm a big believer Sometimes to uncover the truth, you have to cut the cord. Mm -hmm. And when you cut the cord, you want to see what bubbles up. Because holy shit, if nothing bubbles up and everything sinks, it means everything's okay. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was no justification for the processes that individual was handling. So business continuity was number two. And any of you that are out there that have any intention, any intention of exiting from this business or any intention of going on vacation for four weeks like I just did, you need to think about business continuity, and it starts with process automation, workflow automation. Process improvement. Number three, we are big believers. Yes, we're a bit altruistic. We are big believers in moving this profession forward. And maybe it's ironic because the three, the three main shareholders of our company are not accountants and are not CPAs. And so with that, maybe it's a little bit of that chip on our shoulder like, hey, we can do this. You don't need to have the CPA credentials. You don't have to have spent 25 freaking years in this accounting industry to do what we're doing. You got to have good business sense. You got to be a good business leader. You got to have, it's all people, right? Both sides of the equation, demand and supply in this business. It's all people. You got to have good people skills. And so if you 
our third big why for doing this is we really want to move this profession forward and we don't want it to be anchored to the 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 past the the i don't know what word i'm looking for but like the legacies of the past and so our three big whys great resignation business continuity and professional forward and moving this profession forward so as we kind of shift from that i hope that helps our audience's mindset truly embrace that process improvement and workflow automation is a place you need to start spending some coin and I think that, and I'm going to be quiet for a while now. <laughs> I think one thing though, that is worth noting in this, because it's a conversation that I have with a lot of people about this is I love my team, right? I don't want to get rid of my team. And that's not what this is about. We are not believers in automating just to get rid of people. Like that is not the goal here. That is not the intention because we are big believers that this business is run on people. And so What we do believe in on the flip side is leveraging technology to make people more efficient, right? What do we all want? We want to spend more time with customers, right? Like that, that's the holy grail in this business, right? More face time with customers or more value delivery. Or more time with our team members, uh, mentoring and developing, right? Like those are the value adds that are going to help. And we don't want to deal with complaining customers. We want happy customers. We want reduction in errors, right? And so if we can leverage the people, the quality people that are already on our team in your team, and just make them more efficient and more produ- more efficient, more productive, reduce errors, you know, all the above. It's a win-win, right? It's, it's moving the whole industry forward through that. So last night I got this text. I had no idea where who it came from. And I actually had to do some research. And I was like, oh, yes, it's this guy I spoke to when I was in Portugal. It was an introduction from Blake Oliver. He reached out to me. And I think the text, I don't have my phone on me, but the text was, holy shit, you're really doing this. And we're like, yeah, no, we're really doing this and we're really spending real money on this and not even just spending real money. We're actually diverting resources, precious resources like Corey, like partly Katie, right? Re- uh, reallocating those resources to this because I do. I am a big believer that this p- workflow automation is a key to success because unfortunately not everybody is going to need ignition we met those people like years ago at the first conference we went to and it literally took us four years to make the move why because of that materiality yeah the you know repeating was there the find algorithm of course was there we had done a bunch of process mapping years and years ago Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was like materiality you had to value the cost of the system now on the flip side with appstream these things, you know, it, because of the low barrier to entry, right? It doesn't cost that much on a monthly basis to manage one workflow, especially if if you're outsourcing that uh, to to teams like ours. So, Corey, let's kind of dive into. So now we have the backdrop, the economy, people, business continuity, exit strategy, etc., lifestyle. Let's kind of dive into because one of the questions I usually get is. So what what do you think I can improve? So let's talk about one recent one you did, and then we can go into some of your other examples. One recent one that we did, and one that's been a big rollout, both both for customers of AppStream as well as internal, because we are do- doing this ourselves internally too, right? Where we are living what we preach. A great one is mapping data between a POS system and QuickBooks Zero, right? Yeah. And now people listening to that is probably saying. Shopify connects with QuickBooks or Stripe connects with QuickBooks or Xero, right? I'm using them interchangeably here. You're right. They do integrate. 
But does that solve for your pain points? No, it doesn't. So let me give an example. Uh, I'll take Stripe, but they're kind of all the same here, right? You have Stripe, a customer purchases something out of the Stripe account, the invoice gets created in uh, QuickBooks or Zero, and then that's the integration, right? That's the native integration. But then your team has spent, and our team has spent a ton of time, depending on how many transactions, going back into QuickBooks and reconciling those invoices against what actually was collected in Stripe. Cash. Cash, right? And that's... That's kind of an important thing in accounting <laughs> or bookkeeping. That's 80% of the work, right? Yeah. And sure, there's tools like A2X that do that, right? But they don't really, right? Um, it does on a cash basis based on the payouts or a variety of things. And right? you lose control, right? Although it it's a great product and we have customers and you know we know yeah. how to use it very well. Uh, but you do lose a bit of control. And granularity. Um, so what else? So in that integration or that app stream, let's call mm -hmm. it, that you've that you and the team have created between Stripe and uh, QuickBooks, what other sort of unraveling of ambiguity can you achieve when you use something like that workflow yeah. automation? Another key thing that does that this does here is not just save time on the reconciliation of the cash, but also on the granularity. So right. data, data, right? Uh, let's say there's multiple SKUs or there's deferred revenue in there, right? There's subscriptions in there. Um, or there's multiple SKUs, or there's or inventory, discounts. or discounts, right? Yeah. It's the ability to map those from what's in your Stripe account. This is a six-month subscription versus a 12-month subscription, right? Map those to the correct places while also building out the work papers. That's money, right? right? Yeah. I mean, how many times, so as a CFO or as a financial analyst, how many times do I go into general ledgers and I'm, and I'm like, what the hell am I looking at here? It's like a pile of shit. It just says sales, which is fine. Cause I, you know, dude, I, I'm a big believer, like uh, accounting and accounting bookkeeping really needs to be right sized to the needs of the business owner, the customer mm -hmm. and right size to the size of the business. Right. Yeah. I, I say this all the time. Don't try to boil the ocean in the beginning. Accounting is one of those things. You can always go back and clean up the sins of the past. You know, if you're only, if you're an e-com biz and you've been around for like six months, 12 months, do you really need all of that data in QuickBooks? Probably not. You got enough data in Stripe. You're probably selling like two or three subscriptions a week, a month. You know what I mean? It goes back to the materiality. The materiality, right? And obviously there are those customers just like, no, I, I, I want it all. I want it all. But if you are, and I always tell e-commerce business because they're really in a difficult position because e-com businesses that are between a half mil and two, two and a half mil, the effort, the cost of doing bookkeeping is the same. Unfortunately, you're only making a half a million versus somebody making two and a half mil. Just the volume of the, some of these transactions, it's difficult. So it's, it's about the volume. It's about the size of the business. It's about the direction of the business. But back to what we're talking about here, right? For $250 a month, for $100 a month, for $500 a month, depending on, you know, we can actually build automations between Stripe and QuickBooks and we can customize how you want to see that in your P&L. Mm -hmm. So that way you're not just jumping into your QuickBooks and saying, oh, sales, mm -hmm. and then ne uh, something else, negative. Uh, you know, it's just like, what is this? Yeah. What is this? Break it out, right? Break it out. So data is a big piece. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about communication because communication is another one. Yeah. Because, you know, let's face it, Corey, uh, at least with us, uh, tech stack, HubSpot, Ignition. Carbon, backend communication, G apps, Slack, Slack, 
and that's it, I think. Well, I guess carbon kind of does a little mm -hmm. bit of that too. Yeah. Um, so why do I need more stuff? Why do I need more data? Give us an example of like text messaging. Because mm -hmm. so, we all text, you know, our people texting are our customers. I have no idea what they're texting. Yeah, I'll give two examples with text because that's a, it's a great one. One is two-factor authentication codes, right? Ugh, those are awful. They're, they're I'm sure they're good for cybersecurity. Yeah. They're a pain <laughs> in the ass. They're a complete pain in the ass and they're a complete non-value add, right? They don't add any value to the process. So what was happening internally was, and we've done this for a handful of customers as well, was we would get two-factor authentication codes, whether they were texted or whether they were sent to an email, and we would parse those out of the email or the text mm -hmm. and direct them into Slack, right? It's a small process that does it take a ton of time to get one code? No, it takes two minutes, right? But maybe the person that's getting the code is not the person that needs to do the work. So mm -hmm. it requires a communication loop, right? And that over time, when you have hundreds of customers, even a hundred customers? Yeah, 50, 50 employees. and Multiple bank accounts, multiple logins. like Different it's, banks. It's just a tedious time suck that adds no value to the process, right? Right, you have to hire an employee, an ops person. Just to, just to do that, those. right? 20 yeah. hours a week. It's just not worth it's it. It's not worth it. Another exciting example for texting that we've done um, with Carbon, one of our favorite apps, is, so think of a lot of people out there maybe use Dialpad. It's probably one of the top apps for uh, text messaging or group messaging. Mm -hmm. We've rerouted texts from a Dialpad conversations into the corresponding contact or company in Carbon, right? So any text that a team member has with a customer is now clearly transparent, hmm. right? So Carbon, what is their big one of their one of their big value adds is the ability for tran you know, transparency across the organization. If you have these side conversations via text with customers, those kind of live by themselves. Now, are the text messages happening from my phone, or is it a like? It'd be uh, like a dial pad, bit. right? All right, so a dial pad, or, or one a, of the Microsoft Teams, right? Yep, Microsoft Teams. It could be. It could be. Um, we've used like simple texting. We've used gotcha. texting, right? So any of those. Uh, virtual messaging apps. Uh, we could probably do WhatsApp, right? Um, oh, no kidding. So you can, so if we had a WhatsApp for all of our team members or for the company to text with our customers, you could actually grab that conversation and uh, memorialize it, if you will, in Carbon? In theory, assuming that all the, the backend data is right, right? That's a big piece of this, right? Is the backend data. What I mean by that is how clean are your systems, right? If, True. If carbon doesn't have, and this is not a carbon thing, right? This is a, a part CRM of the process improvement, thing, yeah. right? If you're not keeping up your CRM with the contact information and the person, right? doesn't matter what you use. We can't automate it, right? Yeah. It's all about the integrity of some of this data, right? We can automate whatever you want. But if Stripe is, you know, to go back to that, if Stripe is just a mess, it doesn't do us any doesn't good at all. doesn't do us any good. Right? So those are two good examples. Let's pause here for a second because... You know, uh, about about six, six six weeks ago, I started talking to our audience, and we actually got quite a few listeners around strategic business review. And one of the initiatives coming out of the SBR is this notion of like not this notion, but this like a project called Growth Lab Version Three Point mm -hmm. And you just brought up a good example, right? So you know, we every company suffers from a clean, maintained, uh, controlled uh, CRM. It is CRM like, okay, who who the hell 
can survive without a CRM. Nobody. We all need a CRM. The problem is I've got a CRM here. I've got a CRM there. I've got a CRM over there. You know, between HubSpot, Carbon, QuickBooks. You got one on your phone. They and I got one, one on my phone. phone. Yeah. It's just like, holy shit, there's CRMs everywhere. And I know there's a lot of tools that try to sync them up, but nothing ever really works because it comes down to one thing in my mind, and that is control. Control, control, because at, at its core, at the beginning of the customer journey in any, any company, starts with a human being entering data or copy and pasting, but it's still entering data into a CRM. Uh-huh. And yes, we've automated a ton of shit, especially with HubSpot and Ignition on the front end. Uh-huh. But I mean, I'm always laying into to our sales team. It's just like, guys, you need data integrity. You need the data integrity um, because that's where it all starts. And so with Growth Lab version 3.0, one of the big projects is like, we've grown, we've been growing at 50, 55% year over year right now. And it's like, we need to slow down because our foundation is going to crumble. Mm -hmm. We've used the words over this past half hour, we've used the words process improvement and automation and process mapping. We've kind of used them somewhat interchangeably right? Intentionally in a way, right? In order to do automations, to take a step back for a second to this, to this exact point, like in order to do automations, you need to understand what the process is and why are you going to automate a process or automate something that has a poor process or is a shit show or an unknown process or unknown. And so let's take it back to that example of the data, right? The data integrity, say mapping, mapping text conversations to carbon or Canopy, or Jetpack, or whatever, right? Um, if the data is crap, doesn't matter what we automate, shit. It's not going to work. It's garbage horrible, in, garbage right? out. And so sometimes it makes sense to go through a process improvement mm-hmm. of looking at how does that data get to that point, right? What are the three steps before that to get data clear in, say, a system like Carbon, or Dialpad, or you know, uh, WhatsApp, or whatever, right? And going through that process of mapping that and then figuring out ways to improve it, right? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's maybe it is you know another automation before that, right? Automating mm-hmm. between uh, HubSpot and uh, Dialpad, random example here, right. right? But like maybe there's an automation before that that you can actually improve the process with, so that the end goal is actually what you need it to be, right? Well, and that's one of the nice things about this, you know, think starting to think about workflow automation, um, because automation only works if there are rigid. Mm-hmm. There's, if there's an algorithm. <laughs> if there's an algorithm and that there is um, constraints around the data, right? The, the input is correct. Uh, it's following a, a rigid process um, because if it's just like all open-ended, it's not, it's not going to work. I mean, take, take Stripe. How many times do you see a company that's been around for a year or two years, uh, e-com, uh, just picking on e-com, or let's pick on SaaS, right? Sure. Even worse, right? Um, and all of a sudden, because let's face it, every new startup is still trying to figure out pricing. So, you know, uh, they wake up one day and they're like, oh, $9.99 for uh, every month and uh, no money up front. And then all of a sudden they wake up the next day and they're like, oh, you know something? I'm going to sell it for $80 a year uh, if you pay me up front. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm going to give you a special because you're going to pay two years or et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden you've got all of these SKUs in Stripe that are just blowing up. And none of that shit is like sinking. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what your head, yeah. what's up or down in it. I'm going to take it a step ledger. further. I'll take it a step further where I've seen it happen a lot too. 
is maybe even they're not changing the price of the product or subscription or whatever they're selling, right? But maybe they're saying, you know, it's a nego- it's a, you know, maybe there's a enterprise sales, right? So there's mm-hmm. some level of negotiation on it, right? Well, Dan, I'm going to give it to you for a hundred bucks a month. Joe, I'm going to give it to you for 85 bucks a month, right? But if you're entering new, like new products and new services in your Stripe for each deal you do, which I've it's seen a lot, right? it's going to blow yeah. up. And so it's not the fact that the automation can't handle it. It's going to be the same problem if you have a person behind the scenes, right? Because it's not a thoughtful, yeah. but again, business isn't always thoughtful, right? Mm-hmm. But you got to be agile, especially when you're a startup, you're testing, testing the waters. Yeah. You're not thinking about data, right? Longevity. That's why I say accounting is one of those things you can always clean up the sins of the past, mm-hmm. right? It's not a big deal. You can always go from cash to accrual for the last three years. It's not a big deal. It's going to cost you more money, but you know something? Sometimes it's easier to do it when you have money in the bank than yep. when you don't have money in the bank. So, Corey, we've talked about our favorite 2FA. What does that stand for? Second factor authentication. Yes, awful. What about the multiple factor? Isn't there an MFA now? Yeah. Anyways, and then we've talked about uh, mapping POS to QBO, so specifically, or zero, but specifically like Stripe or Mm -hmm. Shopify. Uh, We've also talked about Mm -hmm. messaging systems that are disconnected from your mainstream email, Google, Microsoft, everything connects to Google and Microsoft. All that stuff is perfect. It just goes nicely into, let's call it carbon for now. There is communication that is had voice, text, Mm -hmm. et cetera, that are outside, even Slack, right? Slack connect, right? Yeah. Those systems are outside of your mainstream Microsoft and Google. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about being able to capture that and memorialize it, say, in carbon, which is huge. Yeah. Let's talk about old school businesses because I'm sort of like, yeah, I get it. I mean, if you're on Shopify or Stripe and you're on Slack, at some point, all this crap has APIs and anybody can kind of connect it. And I'm not minimizing because, mm-hmm. you know, you, I know we use Integromat or it's called Make. Uh, we use Bubble. Uh, we don't use Zapier as much. Um, and those are APIs, that, those yeah. are the platforms that we maintain, that we build out those complicated workflows. And it's, it's not an easy lift, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just like... Because Zapier makes it like, or remember back in the day you had the if then oh, yeah. systems, right? They, they just make it, they market it like, oh, oh, you got that and you got that and you want to do this. Oh, yeah, you just do It's done. Yeah. That doesn't happen that way. So let's talk about a, a process, old school process that we have actually solved for and have actually like saved lots of time, like up to 10 hours, I think. So you're a construction business. Construction businesses, as we all know, job costing is the holy grail. And construction businesses over, call it two, three million, maybe even five million a year, they're running multiple projects. You know, they're constructing three to five homes or they're doing commercial construction, but there's multiple uh, projects happening at the same time. They're calling up lumber yards, they're they're going to Home Depot dropping the credit card yep. on this, this, and that for Their employees this, are dropping for the three cards. or four projects. Yeah. And then it's employees. So let's talk about a, a kind of a simple one. So I call up the lumber yard. I've got two projects. I need a bunch of two by fours and sheetrock delivered to two different places, but you know, they send me one invoice. Yep. And now back in the day, the bookkeeper, Betty, the bookkeeper had to go in and literally type in all the materials, the type of materials, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, what projects, the SKUs. And then, oh, by the way, you still have to pay that bill. And then you're marking up that bill for your customers, right? Because usually all that material gets marked up. Mm-hmm. 
How did we solve that for one of our customers? It was taking, I think, upwards of eight to 10 hours a month, which is just, once again, like the, the customer in this, right? And it was only like four or five invoices a month, right? It wasn't yeah, crazy. but those four or five invoices were multiple pages. Yeah. And the problem and is- PDFs. The customer, they don't care about that, right? They just want the, the books done, right? So which is, I understand that, right? And so what we've done was we've taken those PDFs, We've built a system that scans them mm -hmm. and will parse them out into a Google Sheet. Mm. And so if you had, say, 20 pages long on a PDF because you're working on, you know, 10 different projects and you have you know, different types of lumber and different types of nails and shingles and all that jazz, right? It'll parse each line item, including the SKU, the description, the amounts, the tax, the gross amount, right? It'll parse those all, all out into lines on a separate Google Sheet. Mm -hmm with a date and then it will also pull in the chart of accounts and a drop down right next to it so the customer can easily say this piece of lumber that was for you know uh this housing project got it that those shingles that was for this school building right so on and so forth the better part not only does it automate that we've created a system where right in google sheets you press sync to quickbooks and it, and it pushes it all Boom. into quickbooks under the correct project. Because back in the day, like, okay, we all have bill.com and it's great. You get, you get this bill from a vendor, even if it's in construction, right? This is a great example, a construction uh, uh, invoice, right? You bring it into bill.com. Maybe it goes through HubDoc back in the day and goes into QuickBooks, but it goes into bill.com and in bill.com, you can say what class you want that bill to go to. Mm -hmm. And then you can say what bank account you want to pay it from and when you want to pay for it, et cetera. But the problem is that's not how the real world works. Yes, yeah. that works in tech. That works in like simple businesses. But that doesn't. That's not how it always works. Nope. How it usually works is I get an invoice from my vendor that is ten pages long, mm -hmm. that is for two or three different projects, that has ten twenty SKUs, tax codes, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's usually how it happens in the real world, right? right? In, especially in construction, mm -hmm. especially in nonprofits, you know? And so that doesn't always, doesn't always translate well. Um, Build.com is a great product, but it doesn't work well for something yeah. like that. And I think one, one interesting point on a similar, but separate topic I'm curious here is, though, how much does that cost? Like how much would we sell a monthly subscription to that particular workflow? Are we talking $99 or $1,000? Uh, no, for that one, we're probably talking somewhere around two fifty to three fifty. That's it, to save ten hours. Ten hours? Holy shit! Right, that's like yeah. twenty five bucks an hour. But but the key here is that these automations, when they're built right, they can scale. So if in two years from now that business, that construction business, for example, doubles in size, like it it doesn't change the automation, right? Right. Maybe the price goes up by twenty five bucks for more operations. Yeah, because but... it requires more pull on the system, right? right? But generally speaking, if you double the size of the business, the cost of automations doesn't go from 250 to 500 to 1,000, right? It's, it doesn't work linearly like that, right? Um, so no, it's it's a it's great for scaling businesses as well that you know want to continue growing without yeah. limiting themselves. So folks, you know when we're thinking about automations and when we're thinking about process improvement, sometimes it's like the simple stuff. It's stuff that's right in front of you. Sometimes it's stuff that you just take for granted that you're like, ah. Eh, and by the way, it drives me crazy because my team members do this all the time. I'll walk by their desk. Well, back in the day, I used to. And I'd be like, why are you doing that again? 
what are we doing? What? Are, okay, can't we like automate this, right? Because sometimes these things, it, and by the way, materiality doesn't mean you have to spend an hour or two hours on one thing. Yep. It can mean you're spending five, you know, two, five minutes, but you're doing it 10, 20 times a day, mm-hmm. every day. That's also materiality, right? So you have to think about it holistically yep. here, right? Yeah. Um, and so many times, you know, because we've even had these conversations, especially when we started this uh, division, we started having these uh, conversations with our team members. And I remember I called them up and I had them on speaker and you were on that one call. And one of our individuals was like, oh, we don't really need it. We're good. I was like, oh, no. So uh, I started digging into some of the numbers and because we, you know, we have a lot of data. On, and I said, like, well, why are you spending X amount of time on this customer? Oh, because we do this. And that, and we have to do that again and that again. And it's like, okay, isn't that like something that we could automate? Yeah, we could try it. I'm not sure though, but we could try it. Okay, done, right? We automate it. Part of this is, you know, we can we can sit here and uh, put fancy logos and put up some websites and say how cool this stuff is. But you're still dealing with people, you know? There was a time, there was a time when someone tried to convince somebody who loved their typewriter to go from the typewriter to their first Mac or their first PC, right? I don't need it. I'm, I'm good, right? This works. And this works, right? Everything works mm-hmm. until it doesn't work anymore because somebody else is going to eat your lunch. So, folks, this is a way for someone, for you to protect your turf, protect your franchise value. Uh, we can help. We love this stuff. We can help you automate. Start thinking about the little things sometimes. It doesn't have to be about boiling the ocean. Yeah. It's not just a it's not just a 20-hour project, right? It can help throughout the It could process. be something that just takes 5 hours a month. Like mm-hmm. 5 hours a month. If I could have 5 hours a month, that's 1 hour a week. Is that material? Not really. Uh, not really, but if you do that times 10 other things, mm-hmm. that starts to be material. Or uh, I might disagree to some points because if you can get those five hours back and spend it with a customer that's paying you, mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer. I know. Sometimes it's hard for people to like, eh, but it's only an hour. Yeah. I, I do that for an hour anyways. I, I could not do that and just do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but if these things do start to add up. Yep. And more importantly, like I know we're talking to our audience through the lens of their practice. Like this is how, you know, we, you could, you could use ignition, you could use carbon, you could use some of these workflows to help automate some of your uh, internal systems. And we're big fans of that. Like you do have to, you do have to look inside before you try to uh, bring this to your customers. And we're here to help. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, process improvement and automations that our friends, uh, bookkeepers and CPAs and accountants can do for their own firms. And then once you start, once you feel it and you get you get the sense of what this can do, now you start thinking about what can you what can this do for your customers? Yeah. And then you start thinking about now doing it for your customers because you know to help you save money. Because remember we have no idea what's going to happen in the next 18 months. One thing we do know, between inflation, between the employment market, rising interest rates, fuel, I mean, all of this stuff is starting to bubble up. I am a believer that the economy will soften. 
I am a big believer that our friends in D.C., they're looking to put the damn brakes on the economy. They have to. They don't have a choice. And folks, if you're in our position, which I know you are, you have to start thinking about what does this mean for your customers? There's going to be a point. I just had this conversation with, I think it was with Scott yesterday, Scarano yesterday, and he said it too. It's like there's a softening. It's a softening. What's happening right now, like our pipelines, folks, they're still robust, but the customers are falling off. And net-net, the, the growth is slowing on a month-over-month basis. Not a year-over-year basis. You can't compare to what happened in the last uh, 24 months. Yeah. But if this begins to slow down, mark my word, process improvement, automating workflows is going to give you the upper hand to negotiate with your customers. So you protect your franchise value. You can reduce your prices. You can pull back on the value. You know, you can actually you maintain your margin. Yeah. You have more leverage. Yeah. That's what we're doing, folks. We started this project six months ago, and we didn't we didn't sell it to the market. We were selling it internally to our team. And we were doing that because we do believe that there's a we're about to sail into a, a, a sea that we haven't seen in like 40 years, and we're in it. And if we can continue to chip away at the cost of labor required to do work, to perform the work for our customers, we're going to be able to maintain our gross margins uh -huh. as we go into these murky waters. We're going to be in a position to actually give back to our customers. If they, our customers want to pull back, we can pull back uh -huh. and we're not going to feel it. What I always tell the team is begin starting to look at what processes you do on a daily basis or what things you do, even not even processes. Begin to look at what things you do every day that you just bang your head against the wall saying, why am I doing this? Why am I spending three hours doing this? Usually that's a clear sign of, you know, maybe there's some potential here. Yeah. I'm glad to be back. It was kind of nice to take a break for six weeks from uh, this takes, this obviously takes a lot of work. Anybody you, you talk to out in the market that does, videos and content and podcasts. No, this is not my only job. This is not your only job. This is like a second job. It's more like a second part-time job. Um, I am stoked for this. I'm very passionate about this. I think internally for us, I hope our audience, uh, our friends out there realize it's not just about selling this to customers. This does require a whole set of core competencies uh, and you have to build a team if you wanted to do this internally. We're happy to talk to you about it. If anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to Corey or myself. And that's and that's a wrap. That's it. Thanks everyone.